48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Top Beijing officials say the mainland will have jurisdiction over the most serious national security cases in Hong Kong. Disneyland's reopening is expected to offer a much-needed boost to the local tourism trade. And prominent Philippine journalist and Duterte cricket critic Maria Ressa is convicted of libel by a court in Manila. Deputy Director of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office says Beijing will exercise jurisdiction over the most serious national security cases that arise in Hong Kong. Dong Chonghua also says that allowing mainland agents to be based in the SER is the only way to enforce the new legislation being drawn up. Pseulong reports. At a basic law seminar in Shenzhen, Deng Zhonghua said while the SAR should be responsible for most enforcement work and trials when the national security legislation takes effect, the central authorities should retain the right to exercise jurisdiction over extremely rare cases that severely threaten national security. The deputy head of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office stressed that the arrangement won't undermine the SAR's independent judicial power, including that of final adjudication. Mr. Deng added that the national security legislation will have an unchallenged authority. He also defended the need for the mainland to set up national security agencies in Hong Kong, saying that this is the only way to ensure that the security law is properly enforced. But he said Hong Kong must set up its own enforcement mechanisms as well. Meanwhile, a deputy director of the liaison office, Chen Dong, said while countries have many different ways to clamp down on violence, Beijing has chosen to plug the loophole in the SAR through legislation. This, he said, shows authorities are determined to rule the country according to its constitution and legal framework, adding that the central government is the staunchest defender of one country, two systems. Legal sector lawmaker Dennis Kwok says the basic law clearly states that all cases in the SAR must be dealt with by local courts. Comments made by the deputy head of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office are just meant to scare people. What they are trying to do is to use all these so-called exceptions to drive fear and oppression into the hearts of the Hong Kong people. Under our common law principle, the law must be certain and clear. There can't be that many exceptional circumstances that they can't even describe. They are actually, I think, threatening the Hong Kong people by saying that the law is not entirely clear, that there are exceptional circumstances where it would enable the central people's government to step in. Local tourism is getting a boost with the reopening of Hong Kong Disneyland on Thursday. Most of the facilities there, along with its hotel service, will resume. The visitors will have to make reservations seven or eight days in advance before they can visit the park. And social distancing measures will be in place to guard against the spread of COVID-19. This follows the reopening of Ocean Park last week. And to further help the ailing sector, talks are underway to create a travel bubble in Hong Kong, Macau and Guangdong to allow people to pass between the three places. But Professor Brian King from the Polytechnic University School of Hotel and Tourism Management has expressed reservations about the idea. Well, I 
think a travel bubble is better than nothing. I mean, it's not what the industry is used to. It, it, it's not ideal. But if you want the travelers to feel safe and you want the operators to provide a kind of hygienic and trouble-free environment, you need to start kind of progressively. Uh, I do wonder about Guangdong. I mean, Guangdong is a very populous uh, province. So whether it's the whole of Guangdong that, oper- uh, that opens up in the first instance, maybe Shenzhen, uh, maybe Zhuhai, maybe Greater Bay Area, let's, let's see that one. Veteran Philippine journalist Maria Ressa has vowed not to be silenced. That's after she was convicted of libel and faces up to six years in jail in a ruling seen as a blow to media freedom in the country. The chief executive of the website Rappler was implicated in a story linking a businessman to legal activities. Ms Ressa says the case was politically motivated because of criticism levelled by her website against President Rodrigo Duterte. Rappler and I weren't the only ones on trial. I think what you're seeing is death by a thousand cuts, not just of press freedom, but of democracy. Our justice system was on trial today, and it just joined the kind of messaging that was pushed out on social media in 2016. Journalist equals criminal. The justice system just took a little bit longer to catch up, and here we go. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes. Luckily, one of the 15 defendants on trial over anti-government rallies held last year has promised to challenge the prosecution's move to transfer their cases to the district court. League of Social Democrats activist Avery Ung says it's an unprecedented move that the Department of Justice needs to explain. Maggie Ho reports. Mr Ng, as well as other defendants, including media tycoon Jimmy Lai and former lawmakers Lee Chak Yan, Margaret Ng, Lan Kwok Hong and Ao Nok Hin, are facing charges relating to organizing, taking part or inciting others to take part in different anti-extradition protests. The four rallies concerned were held on August the 18th and 31st and October the 1st and 20th last year. Mr Ng's lawyer asked West Kowloon Principal Magistrate Peter Law for a four-week adjournment for the prosecution to explain why they want to transfer the cases to the district court, arguing that no penalties of similar previous cases exceeded the maximum sentences a magistrate could impose. Mr Ng's lawyer said they are considering filing a judicial review at the High Court to challenge the application. The prosecutor cited the large number of defendants and prosecution witnesses as well as the serious nature and complexity of the cases, but told the court that the department will not provide any further explanation. The magistrate ordered all defendants to decide in two weeks' time whether they would push ahead with their judicial reviews and inform the prosecution. The magistrate said all the parties will then come before the court on July the 15th to inform him of the decision. Bail for all the defendants has been extended. More now on the national security law. The Bar Association has questioned why the Secretary for Justice, Theresa Cheng, thinks it's impractical to expect that the new law for Hong Kong look to be in line with its common law system. The association said the basic law declares the common law system is the one practice here. Bar Association member Eric Shum says the common law system has important human rights safeguards in place that aren't clearly stated in the statutory and civil law systems. Open and transparent justice in terms of criminal procedure, the trial by jury, and the 48 hours detention is the maximum in our law. Habeas corpus is another example. All these should be applicable, uh, notwithstanding the new law. If the national law is drafted in a very vague way, 
then everybody has to adapt to the new system. And the lawyers would not be able to defend on our normal legal knowledge in court. The judges themselves would not be able to know what standards and interpretation tools they would apply in this sort of cases. Executive Counsel Ronnie Tong says he believes calls for independence and United States intervention rather than violence in the streets move Beijing to implement the national security law. Speaking on RTHK's Backchat programme, Mr Tong said scenes of bricks and petrol bombs being thrown at protests were not necessarily a matter of security in themselves, but the motivations of some protesters were a bigger concern for the central authorities. I think as far as Beijing is, a con- is concerned, they are, of course, concerned uh, about the violence, but they are more concerned about the call for independence, the call for liberation of Hong Kong, people waving United States flags when they're saying all those things. So uh, it is not just about you know dealing with the violence in the street. Health authorities have reported three more imported COVID-19 cases, bringing the total number of infections to 1,112. The Centre for Health Protection says at least the, says the latest cases involve two females and a male, aged between 10 and 47, who recently returned from Russia and Indonesia. One of them developed symptoms such as a cough, fever and a loss of smell, while the other two were asymptomatic. Health expert who advises the government on its COVID-19 measures says it's now time to relax a ban on gatherings of more than eight people thanks to a decline in local infections. Chinese university professor David Hoy did say people still needed to remain vigilant. With the resumption of normal work duties and also resumption of schools, you can see that in the MTR station and bus stops, there are already lots of people waiting for the public transport. So the restriction of number of people is rather meaningless at this stage. And with the reopening of Ocean Park and the planning opening of the book fair next month, I think we should be prepared to relax the social distancing measures. Relax in the sense that you don't restrict the number of people per table in the restaurants and also outdoor, but we still would require, for example, in the restaurants, you still need to separate the tables by a safety distance, say 1.5 meters. And the customers still need to put on the surgical mask after eating. The government has received almost 430,000 requests for COVID-19 employment subsidies with the first phase of the application period ending last night. About 60% of the applications have come from self-employed workers. The government says it has already handed out a total of $4.8 billion to some 25,000 employers under the scheme. Across the border, new restrictions are being introduced in 10 more neighbourhoods in Beijing to try to contain a coronavirus outbreak linked to a wholesale food market. City reported another 36 infections today. BBC's Stephen McDonnell is in the capital. Tens of thousands of people have been tested for the virus in the neighbourhoods surrounding Beijing's Xinfadi market, which supplies 80% of the city's meat and vegetables. This followed the testing of another 10,000 staff who work inside. In nearby districts, only local residents are allowed to enter or leave. Schools have been closed, as of some transport connections. Officials have also advised residents close to Xinfadi not to go outside without a good reason. Border controls are being lifted across much of Europe from today, easing three months of restrictions imposed to halt the spread of the coronavirus. The European Union has advised member states to open up to travellers from within the bloc, in part to help restore badly damaged economies. Here's the BBC's Gavin Lee. 
Belgium, Croatia, Switzerland and Germany fully open their internal borders today. The traffic police and officials that have enforced the restrictions will disappear. In France, the borders were reopened at midnight, but those travelling from Spain and the UK still face a two-week isolation period. Norway, Finland and Denmark are allowing unrestricted travel for a select number of countries, but not neighbouring Sweden, because they say it has a comparatively high death rate. Portugal and Spain will also keep the border between them closed for another two weeks. A Russian court has sentenced an American security executive to 16 years in prison on spying charges. Paul Whelan's verdict drew an angry response from U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who denounced his treatment by Russian authorities as appalling. BBC Sarah Rainsford is in Moscow. Paul Whelan held a sign up to the glass wall of his cage in court, denouncing what he called a sham trial, its results predetermined. This, he said, is grimy, greasy, grubby Russian politics. The three judges then announced their verdict to a courtroom that included three Western ambassadors in gloves and face masks against coronavirus. The sentence, 16 years hard labour, wasn't even translated to the former US Marine who's been found guilty now of soliciting state secrets from a friend who was a Russian intelligence agent. The foreign ministry has always insisted he was caught red-handed. He calls it entrapment. Sport and in golf, Daniel Berger reigned supreme at the Charles Schwab Challenge in Texas as the PGA Tour returned after a coronavirus break. It's the third tour title for the 27-year-old American who prevailed in a playoff. You know, it's just a range of emotions. I mean, I've I've grinded so hard the last, like, two months to, to be in this position, and um, I'm just so thankful that uh, that all the hard work paid off. You know, when I came back, I came back stronger than, you know, I ever have before and and I wanted it more than I ever have before and uh, it's just it's the greatest feeling in the world. Football in Spain where Real Madrid resumed the La Liga campaign with a 3-1 home win over Ibar. Tony Kroos, Sergio Ramos and Marcelo scored in the first half as they closed the gap on leaders Barcelona to just two points. With the Bernabeu Stadium being renovated, manager Zinedine Zidane's 200th game in charge was played at the club's training ground which will host all of the remaining fixtures this season. Elsewhere in Spain, Atletico Bilbao drew 1-1 with Atletico Madrid, and it was the same score between Real Sociedad and Osasuna. Novak Djokovic was brought to tears in front of 4,000 home fans after beating Germany's Alexander Zverev in straight sets at the Adria Tour in Belgrade. World number one said he was overwhelmed by emotion because it reminded him of his childhood. Djokovic set up the tournament to help players get back to match fitness. It was the first elite men's tennis event since the sport was suspended by coronavirus. The round-robin format saw Austria's Dominic team crowned champion. And a reminder of our top story tonight, top Beijing official says the mainland will have jurisdiction over the most serious national security cases in Hong Kong. Disneyland's reopening is expected to offer a much-needed boost to the local tourism sector and prominent Philippine journalist and Duterte critic Maria Ressa is convicted of libel by a court in Manila. And that's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now for good stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. Hong Kong Disneyland is reopening from Thursday as Hong Kong continues to scale back its coronavirus precautions. But visitors will have to make reservations at least a week in advance and the park will be running at a reduced capacity with extra screening measures in place. 
RTHK's Anna-Marie Evans asked Professor Brian King from the Polytechnic University School of Hotel and Tourism Management if the reopening is significant. Well, I think it's an important symbol for the industry and the world. I mean, in the case of Disney, it's the second one in the world to reopen. All, all the others are, remain closed, California, Florida, etc. Uh, secondly, Disney employs about 5,000 full-time employees, so if they get back to work, uh, that will bring income to the families. Uh, the tourism industry is very in- interconnected, so the reopening of uh, Disney and Ocean Park obviously has a stimulus to other parts of the tourism sector. And then finally, for Hong Kongers who've been cooped up at home with the kids for a long time, um, it gives the opportunity for for a day out. Mm. So, so I think it's a cause for uh, some muted celebration. Now, the government says it's discussing with their counterparts in Macau and Guangdong about creating a travel bubble to allow people to pass between the three places. So do you feel that that can help the struggling industry? Well, I think a travel bubble is better than nothing. I mean, it's not what the industry is used to. It's not ideal. But if you want the travelers to feel safe and you want the operators to provide a kind of hygienic and trouble-free environment, you need to start kind of progressively. Uh, So I think that's good for operators. We've already got uh, travel bubbles started in Europe, in the Baltic states, Czech Republic. So we're not the guinea pigs. Uh, I do wonder about Guangdong. I mean, Guangdong is a very populous uh, province. So whether it's the whole of Guangdong that uh, that opens up in the first instance, maybe Shenzhen, uh, maybe Zhuhai, maybe Greater Bay Area. Let's let's see that one with the with the issue in Beijing just now. um, I, I think we need to look at that part of the opening up carefully. Now we've seen some local hotels promoting staycation packages. So do you think that's the trend in the foreseeable future when it's unlikely that we're going to see any overseas visitors coming here? For, well, at least for some time. Yeah, sure. Well, I saw the Hong Kong Tourism Board announce their holiday at home campaign earlier today, and I think there's 110 hotels all offering staycations. So, yes, I think they will be around for a while. I mean, Hong Kongers have very few uh, outbound options at the moment, and so, in a way, the Hong Kongers will be occupying places that we'd normally see uh, visitors. Uh, Hong Kong's the world's most visited city, and Hong Kongers are amongst the world's most avid, you know, outbound travellers. So we see an interesting uh, displacement here. And look, I think it gives Hong Kongers a chance to really appreciate their own place. Uh, It's a bit less crowded than normal. They can get out into the open spaces, appreciate the culture, try restaurants. Uh, You know, so I think that's um, a good opportunity. And it'll, as, as Dane Chen of Hong Kong Tourism Board said, it'll be around at least for a few months. Medical experts say the ban on gatherings of more than eight people has become meaningless and should be relaxed given the current very low levels of coronavirus infections. The medical association's Dr Leung Chi Choyu says far bigger crowds can be seen in most public places. Chinese University professor David Hoy, who's advising the government on its COVID-19 measures, agrees. He told Francis Sitt it would be good for Hong Kong if all outdoor sports facilities were reopened. I think we can actually relax the social distancing measures, including the restriction of number of people in restaurants and also outdoor. And in fact, I think we should open up more outdoor sports facilities so that the the local people can actually do a bit more exercise. I mean, with the resumption of normal work duties and also resumption of schools, you can see that in the MTR station and bus stops, 
there are already lots of people waiting for the public transport. So the restriction of number of people is rather meaningless at this stage. And with the reopening of Ocean Park and the planning opening of the book fair next month, I think we should be prepared to relax the social distancing measures. By saying relaxing, do you think it should be completely lifted or by what extent should it be relaxed? Well, I don't think it makes sense to restrict the number of people outdoor. As you can see in the MTR stations and also in the bus stops, there are already lots of people. So how can you restrict the number of people when you resume normal work and also schools and normal activities? Relax in the sense that you don't restrict the number of people per table in the restaurants and also outdoor. But we still would require, for example, in the restaurants, you still need to separate the tables by a safety distance, say 1.5 meters. And the customers still need to put on the surgical mask after eating so that uh, when they chat, they don't spread the droplets so easily. And in the public transport and in crowded areas, we would still advise the general public to wear surgical masks and pay attention to hand hygiene regularly. The consumer watchdog is warning parents that it's found potentially cancer-causing substances in children's swimming toys and aids. All 22 items tested by the Consumer Council were found to contain potential carcinogen and around 70% failed to meet European safety standards such as the loss of buoyancy, safety buckles accidentally releasing and seams breaking apart. Jim Gould asked the Council's Chief Executive, Gilly Wong, how big a problem this is. Um, for the uh, kids' safety because many parents, um, they want their kids to learn uh, how to swim uh, at a very, very early stage, uh, even um, even when they are like a, a tiny baby, like an infant. Uh, but what we found is obviously this kind of aquatic products is not just um, um, just can uh, uh, casually pick. You have to look at the, um, the whole quality, the safety standard, everything really with high conscience before you pick the right product for your for your for your kids and your and your baby. Um, but one more thing, you know, that I want to highlight is from this uh, analysis and, and test, uh, we learned that you know um, many parents want their kids um, to want the babies you know, to learn swimming below one year old. Uh, what we believe is you know probably is not the right um, uh, right things you know. To, to do. A reason being is that many risks involved, apart from the fact that the swimming ring may not be able to protect them because if it's too loose or too tight, um, um, either way, you know, will uh, cause you know, different kind of dangers. Um, when they're in the water, um, they may um, also inhale um, the water, you know, with, uh, with a bacteria. All these, you know, cause different kind of risks for, for the uh, little infant. So we would highly recommend parents, you know, not to take this risk, but uh, keeping them you know, to have exercise on the ground. So how come these uh, items are still found for sale in Hong Kong, even if they're failing European safety standards? Um, um, reasons being is, you know, in the um, Hong Kong uh, ordinance, uh, there are two different kinds of ordinance, you know, governing the, the safety of, um, of, um, of this kind of product. First of all, it's about the, um, uh, the Toys and Children Product Safety Ordinance um, that require the toys to follow the... Um, uh, the standard of either EU or ISO or ASTM, which is the American standard. Um, but one thing, you know, that we have to take note of is um, for the swimming aid products, it is not part of the children toys and products. Um, therefore, it is um, basically governed by the regular um, consumer goods safety ordinance. And according to that, um, there's no specific standards required. So what we believe is it is quite important for the government to surveil a lot more about 
this kind of uh, aquatic products, as well as hopefully in future to set a much more uh, clearer standards to regulate this kind of uh, the safety of these kind of products. Okay, uh, the Consumer Council also did some research on another summer activity, if you like, uh, eating ice cream. And uh, one finding was that bacteria and coliform counts in two samples exceeded limits. Um, how concerned are you about that and how badly could that affect someone's health? Um, for finding this kind of bacteria, obviously it depends on um, how often you consume and also the, um, the um, how um, to what extent you know this kind of bacteria, you know the concentration of it. Um, we found um, these two um, um, bacteria count um, exceeding the limit in two prepackaged products. Reasons being is those are more the soft ice cream. So uh, according to the regulation right now, for the soft eye cream, uh, it is not necessary to store below the minus two degrees Celsius. So um, under, without, you know, the requirement on the temperature for, um, for the storage, uh, it may easily um, have, um, uh, have hiccups or maybe problems uh, happening along the whole production um, chain, uh, including from manufacturing to storage to the cell and also um, some other things, you know, that may infect the product. So what we believe is this is very important for um, the manufacturers um, to really govern their production process very carefully. And also for the government, they also have to surveil um, the market um, um, even closer uh, in order to make sure that, you know, uh, whatever, you know, marketing in the um, uh, selling in the, pro in the market, um, fulfilling, you know, the safety requirements. In a case seen as a test of the Philippines' media freedom, journalist Maria Ressa has been found guilty of libel. The former CNN journalist is the head of a new site that's critical of strongman President Rodrigo Duterte. A writer for the site, Rappler, has also been convicted. Both have been released on bail pending an appeal but could face six years in prison. Ms Ressa denied the charges and claimed they were politically motivated. But the president and his supporters have accused her and her site of reporting fake news. Anna-Marie Evans asked our Manila correspondent, Alan Robles, what people are making of the story. It really is a case that gives rise to the suspicion that this is part of a Duterte effort to suppress the media. This, the case was actually filed in 2017 by a friend, a businessman friend of Duterte who claims he was insulted by Rappler. The thing is, the news article was published in 2012 and the law under which his suit rappler was passed only in 2013 so they had a problem there how do you how do you make it retroactive that's illegal so some smart person in the department of justice said that uh, rappler had apparently adjusted the spelling of one word in the news story in 2014 and therefore it was supposed to have been published in 2014 and they were liable for the suit so that makes you wonder already what's what's going on there and furthermore the libel law has a prescription period during which you can't, after which you can't sue the person anymore. And people were debating when that was, but the Department of Justice very helpfully told the complainant via a vague law that the prescription period was actually 12 years when everyone thought it was one year. So you have the Duterte administration giving a helpful push to the complainant in this case. Do you think this case is going to unnerve other journalists like yourselves? Well, if it, if it doesn't, they have many other reasons for being unnerved as it is. Duterte has made no bones about his hostility to the press. Just recently, the giant network ABS-CBN network was closed when its franchise was not renewed. 
And Duterte threatened a tax suit against the newspaper, the Philippine Daily Inquirer. Rappler, ABS, and Inquirer have all run stories on Duterte's murderous drug war, as well as uh, the alleged corruption in his administration. And Duterte himself has made pretty uh, crude remarks about the press. For instance, a few years ago, he said, just because you're a journalist, if you're an SOB, and he spelled and he pronounced it out loud, you are not exempted from assassination. Mm. Maria Ressa is going to appeal. What do you think her chances are, and what what and uh, what's the appeal going to be based on? Well, it's standard procedure. Uh, in, in cases, legal cases in the Philippines tend to drag on like forever. In fact, this one where this one went with unseemly haste. It only took three years to make a decision. Some other cases last many years. So this will go on from the Court of Appeals all the way probably to the Supreme Court, and who knows what the decision will be? We don't. But it, I think the justice system takes its cues from the desires of the president right now. And the, 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 this administration has used law as a blunt club to go after its opponents. Have you ever left something on a train, a book, a pair of glasses? It's annoying, but the objects can usually be replaced. But how about losing gold worth 200,000 US dollars? That's what's happened in Switzerland, as the BBC's Charlotte Gallagher reports. It's a very, very weird story. So Swiss officials have no clue who's left this on the train in October 2019. Gold weighing three kilos. So it's not as if you'd put it down and forget to take it, you'd think. And as you said, worth $200,000. And it was on a train that was going between Sangal and Lucerne. The person has five years to claim it, so they don't need to get a rush on. But you'd think if you'd left all that gold worth all that money you'd, you'd you'd want to get it back and it apparently was just left in a package there all the clues i suppose if they say look it was left in a red bag above this seat lots of people probably say oh yeah that was uh, my gold i was traveling on that train so that i think they're not giving as many details for that reason those stories are part of the news wrap program which was broadcast on rthk earlier this evening That's Robert Kemp from our newsroom. Water supplied by the Water Supplies Department is safe to drink, but water quality could be affected by a building's plumbing system. To ensure water safety, the water safety plan for buildings should be implemented so that plumbing systems are regularly inspected and maintained. Owners' organizations of eligible buildings can now apply for a government subsidy. Residents can then rest assured on drinking water safety in buildings. Visit the Water Supplies Department's website for details. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. Remember. Remember.
It's the famous Exodus song by Percy Faith and his orchestra and opening nostalgia for tonight. Let's welcome Jim Reeves. I love you because 